At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Many of us often wonder if going to church is worth it. But what if we told you God has a beautiful design for the church that very much includes you? The book of 1 Timothy speaks to these truths. And if each of us submits to them, our church will function as the loving family God intends. Join us this week as we look at the answers to the question, Church, why bother? Today, I want to go back into the Word of God, and today's going to be a little bit different service. Uh, up until now, we've been studying um, Paul's letter to, uh, to Timothy. It's 1 Timothy. Paul, this elder statesman, writing to uh, this young pastor in the faith about how to lead a healthy church, and most, most of what we've looked at is the benefit to the family of faith to have leaders that care well for the congregation, either leading in the Word of God or caring well for your heart, your soul, your family. But today, Paul is going to look at the other side of the coin, and that's how the church family can care well for leaders in this uh, reciprocal type of relationship. And I thought to myself, well, I could preach this, and it would probably sound pretty self-serving for me to stand before you and say, hey, you need to encourage me, you know. Uh, but I thought there's a better way, and uh, maybe the better way would be to invite someone who has uh, walked the journey of faith, who continues to pour into pastors even to this day. And so I want to invite over Pastor Dave Anderson to come and join me. Pastor Dave has been serving God for 63 years. How many praise God for that, Pastor Dave? For those of you who don't know, Pastor Dave served as a senior pastor of this church for 18 years prior to Pastor Doug Schmidt coming. Then Pastor Doug came and served for 28 years. So then when I came on board, they say, now you got to serve for 38 years. Uh, but Pastor Doug has been a huge, huge blessing. He and his late wife, Mary, uh, have meant so much to me and my wife, Yodi. I just want to share really quickly from a study that Pastor uh, Doug Schmidt sent to me on why this conversation is so important. And uh, there's a number of statistics that are in this study that Pastor Doug sent to me. I just want to share a couple really quickly to give you a sense of how pastors are doing in this, in this hour. 75% of pastors report being extremely stressed or highly stressed. 75% of pastors throughout our country say I'm extremely stressed or highly stressed. Now, I don't know anything about that, but apparently 75% <laughs> of pastors know what it's like to be stressed out. 90% say that they feel fatigued or burnt out on a weekly basis, 90%. There's a lot of other stats here, but I'll close with this one. 80%, this is the most alarming to me, 80% of the pastors polled say, I don't believe that I'll be in ministry 10 years from today. When you think about that and the challenges that come along with pastoral ministry, you recognize why um, 
a day like today and a passage like what we're going to look at is needed. We're going to look at verses 17 through 22 of 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we'll just walk through those. Um, We'll bring out some insights that will come from the text and help to provide some understanding in a conversational style interview, if you will, with with Pastor Day. Before we dive into the text, though, Pastor Day, thank you again uh, for being here. Thank you for doing this. This is round three for us uh, together, but I really do appreciate you doing it. Thank you very much. It's my privilege and my honor to be with you, and thank you for the invitation. Well, you are doing ministry still. First off, leading the largest uh, Sunday school class here every Sunday morning with faithful friends. So thank you for doing that and serving our local church here. But you're also in a ministry endeavor with Pastor Doug Schmidt, serving pastors through Barnabas Ministries. Can you share a little bit about the work there and what the mission is? Our, uh, our purpose for being in existence is to encourage pastors and local churches and provide resources for them to help them to be all that God intended for them to be. And to do that, our basic, uh, our basic form is to have little groups of pastors of maybe five, four or five pastors together. We meet once a month. We have a, a, less, a series of studies for them to go through. It takes, it takes about 10 months. It really takes about a year because you get off track as you go through uh, with some other things. Uh, but uh, to bring them together, pastors who uh, maybe pastored a few miles away but never knew each other mm. and never met, had never talked together, and now they're talking together. They're having fellowship together. They're uh, sharing together. One pastor that was in one of our groups. By the way, these, these groups then, at the end of the time, there are some, some of the pastors who want to go on and be leaders in other uh, of our mentor groups. So it's uh, multiplying itself. But one pastor had a funeral on Saturday and he couldn't, for some reason, family uh, reason, he couldn't make the funeral he had planned to. And he called up one of the other pastors in his group and said, I, I have a funeral, but I can't be there. Any way you can help me out? He said, sure. And he did. That pastor came and took the funeral for him. So they formed these wonderful fellowships uh, that they need so desperately. Yes. They're very lonely. Yeah, and you know, when you think about the loneliness, you just brought this up. Um, What are some of the other challenges that you're seeing, Pastor Dave, as you are listening to pastors? I know you guys work with well over 100 pastors. You got mentor groups locally and now nationally in other states. What are some of the common challenges that you're hearing from pastors and leaders? Well, the the stress and and the weight uh, is is one. The the statistic that Pastor mentioned already, they figure that about only about half of the people, half of the men going into ministry now will be out of the ministry in five years. Mm. And uh, that's a sad, that's a sad comment. It has a, a tremendous negative effect uh, if you lose your job, you know, and uh, they, so they handle that. It's a uh, tremendous weight on the family who's gone through this and it's a, it's a terrible experience for the church. And so these are devastating things. So there's, there's all of that. There's financial pressure. Oftentimes, pastors uh, do not receive uh, sufficient uh, funds 
in order to take care of their their families and their their expenses and so that weighs upon them and then there's always the pull between the family and the church or the family and ministry uh which one comes first and uh how do you figure that out for instance if if johnny is playing football uh, and uh, you promise johnny many times you're going to come watch him play football but you get a call from the hospital one of your one of the congregations gone to the hospital and so now which what do you do if you don't go to the football game what's he going to start thinking about ministry what's he going to start thinking about the church when's he going to say when's dad going to stop making promises that he never fulfills but if you don't go to the hospital it gets around church pastor doesn't care about people i was in the hospital he didn't even come he doesn't care so there's this tremendous pull between family and uh, marriage and uh, and uh, ministry yeah i feel like you're reading the pages of my life in a lot of ways <laughs> you know yeah. i think the apostle paul knew that pastors and leaders were going to face these challenges some of these things may seem new but in many ways the pull the pressure the balance all of those things and so much more that could be said, I think is what precipitated Paul, this older pastor, leader in the faith, saying to this young pastor, Timothy, hey, here's how you keep yourself healthy and how you keep the church healthy. So let's look at verses 17 through 22 together and see what Paul says here. In verse number 17, he says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except out of, the, out of the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. There's a lot here that we could dive into, but if we want to just organize what Paul just whirled about uh, in preparation for this uh, conversation, uh, reading several commentaries, it was interesting to me how many agreed that Paul talks about three things in succession here, compensation, then accusation, and then ordination. And so kind of using that as a framework, he, he starts with, with compensation. And there are several things that he says here. He says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. Uh, the assumption here is that the responsibility of elders, and if you were with us a few weeks ago, you heard me say that elders and pastors are synonymous terms in New Testament writing, that it's interchangeable. Pastors are elders, elders are pastors. So he's writing to the pastoral leadership of churches, and he's saying here that those who rule well are worthy of double honor. That the responsibility of an elder is to rule, or another word that he uses is to provide oversight. That our responsibility is to oversee the affairs of the church, 
the operational matters of the church, the preaching and doctrinal matters of the church. Our responsibility is to oversee the care for the church. And he says, those who do that well should be counted worthy of double honor. And then he says, those who preach, and I love that he uses the word labor here, Mm -hmm. Pastor Dave, those who labor in preaching and teaching, because there's a lot of folks who think pastors don't really work, that our job is to read the Bible, preach about a half an hour on Sunday, for me, 45 minutes, and then then go home. But it's more than that, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, much more. But I remember uh, one time when our children were little, one of them asked uh, mother, when is daddy going to get a job? (laughs) Because I, you know, I I didn't go nine to five, it was a uh, 24-hour. But uh, yeah, if you're going to do it, I, I read recently that if a pastor wants his church to grow, he needs to figure 60 hours a week minimum. Yeah, yeah. And, so. and, and in many ways, uh, let me just drive this home for pastors, elders, leaders, that our responsibility to knowing the Word of God, knowing it well enough to teach it, to defend it, to commend it to others, should be our, our greatest labor. This word in the Greek that he uses for labor means to work strenuously. It is not just randomly, haphazardly picking a text and preaching it on a Sunday, but it is digging into the word to make sure that you're able to apply it to what's happening in real life, in the world, to what people are going through, faithfully mm-hmm. to God, and making sure you're able to, again, commend it and defend it. But then he gets into this thing of compensation. And uh, there's so much I appreciate it. I also appreciate the fact that he doesn't give a specific dollar amount that pastors should get compensated. What he says is compensation is fair. It is good. Just as an ox, as he's uh, treading or plowing, should be able to eat from the husk of the grain that he's plowing. So a pastor, as he labors, should be able to provide for his family. But the rule here is honor. The overall prevailing guidance he gives, knowing that everyone's situation is different. Churches are different sizes, different economic realities, but what should be true in every congregation's heart is is honor. And that gives me an opportunity to just say thank you. Because I think Woodside, and you're gonna hear me say this a couple times today, is a really special church who cares well for their pastors, cares well for their leaders. I know you've been a part of that story, Pastor Dave, but this really is a special group of people. It, it is. We uh, visit with many, many pastors over the year, and uh, Woodside always rises to the top. You're, uh, unusual, uh, different, in, in a good way, different. You know. uh, but, unusual in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, uh, it, it's fun to be part of this church. It yeah. really is. Yeah. I know you work hard, uh, Pastor, but uh, you, you, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's a blessing. Uh, yeah. But yet, the commendation is we, we need to continue to be, be faithful to the end as we model what it looks like uh, to be faithful to the Lord. Um, but, but here's my question for you, Pastor Dave. As you look at this, um, and this encouragement to, to churches to care for their pastor well. What are some of the things over the years you've learned 
that really are important in the keeping of this and the encouragement of pastors in their heart? What can congregations do? Yeah, you have, as a congregation, you really have a responsibility, and that's to honor, honor the pastor. And how do you do that? Well, there are a number of ways, but one of the, one of the ways, regardless of the size of the church, is to pray for them. Mm. Be sure that you pray. Uh, they face so many uh, things that where decisions have to be made. We've just come through one of the hardest times of the COVID. You know what happened? You know, they taught, they taught you in Bible college and seminary. They taught you how to start a church. They never taught you how to close out a church. <laughs> and one day they said, the doors are closed. You can't go to church. And you've got pastors trying to figure out, what do you do now? Yeah. And some people liked what they did, and some people didn't like it. Some people wanted to go get the injections, and other people said, oh, no. And so one, spiritual, one group's got to be spiritual if there's two groups and one's not spiritual. And these are the people that are coming to church. Bless their heart. And uh, so you have these, these uh, things that happen in society and the world that people bring with them. Um, the confusion during that time of the riots and cities and uh, all of this comes with you and with me as we come back into the church. Uh, there's the whole thing of mass, remember? How we had to go through that. There's some churches that are still trying to figure out whether you can wear a mask or not wear a mask. And you got people who say, I'm not coming if I can't wear a mask. And other people are on the other side. And this brings great division. Uh, they told us that probably 20% of the people who left church during the COVID will not be coming back. Mm. Uh, and so a church of 500, now they're down to 400. And uh, the leadership's trying to figure out, what do you do now? And they can blame the pastor because it's not growing. And uh, so the, there's all of this, uh, this stress under which they operate. So pray for them. Pray for them. Whatever decisions it is that they have to, uh, that they have to make. But do more than that. Send them a note. Send them a note telling them you're praying for them. Now, don't ask a bunch of questions in your note because then they waste their time having to, to answer your question. Just tell me, you're praying, I, we're praying for you. And then uh, once in a while, uh, send them a note and say, hey, that was a great sermon. I mean, you can only do that once in a while because they don't have great sermons every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Except here. Except here. <laughs> now, you don't want to you, you, you do it reasonably reasonably and just tell them you know what God used that sermon that you gave last Sunday I had a question in my life I was trying to make a decision or whatever and it was a real help just let them know because all we see from this viewpoint is is people mm. and we don't know is the message are the messages uh, appropriate are they getting to you are you under are, are we giving them in a way you can understand uh, is it helping you to grow in your Christian life? So just a note once in a while. And then uh, next is just love. Love your pastor. And above that, love his wife. Huh? Bless her heart. Um, a pastor generally on Sunday morning comes to church by himself because he has to get here early and prepare, make sure everything is right and uh, personal preparation. Then his wife is home. And... Uh, it, it, getting the children ready. You got to get the children ready all by yourself. 
and get them in the car and then check and make sure they all have shoes on. (laughs) (laughs) But she does that all herself, but she does it because she loves God and she is a support to her pastor. So pray for you. Send her a note too. She can read. Send her a note. (laughs) Send send her a note. It just, it'll encourage her. Yes. We want to encourage, because if she's encouraged, pastor will be encouraged. If she's discouraged, it makes it doubly hard to be a pastor. Yeah, I want to say amen to that. One of the greatest gifts uh, that Woodside has given to us as a family is uh, the ladies in particular who have encouraged my wife's heart and uh, those who have encouraged our children as well. I was driving my kids to school a couple weeks ago, and one of my kids, who will remain nameless, uh, was sharing with me, do you know how hard it is to be a pastor's kid? Everybody expects you to be perfect, and adults are asking you questions about the Bible. (laughs) I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. I know it's not easy. Uh, But they are kids. And they're not going to be perfect, and they're growing, and just grace and uh, love is, uh, is so important. You know, there's something else here, Pastor Dave, that I don't want to overlook, and it's in verse number 17. It's another encouragement implied in the text. Notice that it says, let the elders, plural. Paul, throughout his writing, very rarely refers to elder singular. He does sometimes, but mostly it's elders plural. He assumes that there is mature um, individuals who made a decision, I'm going to grow in the word so I can help share in the load of caring for the church family. That there's not one pastor who's doing it all, having to labor in the word, having to do all the counseling, having to do all the oversight of the affairs of the church. But there are are, are individuals who say, you know what, I want to grow to the point where I can faithfully help, maybe being a deaconess, maybe being a deacon, maybe being a fellow elder. And, uh, and I just want to pause for a moment and thank God for the fact that I haven't had to uh, walk this journey out alone, that I've been blessed to be able to have individuals around us to, um, to, to lighten the load, to share in the weight of ministry. Uh, we've been blessed as a church with some, some awesome elders. And I think about those who provided faithful oversight over the years, uh, individuals like, like Pastor Dave, um, like Pastor Doug Schmidt, I think about Larry Harrison, who uh, the name you'll hear at annual celebration, but Larry served so faithfully behind the scenes. Don Clapham served so faithfully behind the scenes. Abe Phillip and, and Jim McClellan, and I could go on, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble because I'll miss somebody. <laughs> but all of our elders, all of our deacons, I see many of you here today, all of our um, all of our deaconesses, um, Dennis Weedy, I think about so many who have been such a blessing over the years and who surround uh, the pastor. Uh, that is uh, so, so much of a blessing and encouragement. Can we thank God for our leaders who serve the church, who are a blessing? Well, he goes from compensation to accusation. And these are the verses that gives fear and trembling because nobody wants to show up here. He says in verse number 19, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. There's a lot I want to ask you about this one, Pastor Dave, but clearly he's saying nobody's above the law. 
that even elders have to be accountable to the word of God. If you want to know who's in charge in the church, it's God and his word, and everyone is subjected to that, no matter if they're pastor, elder, whatever, none of us are above God's word. But, but uh, this verse, or these verses, how do we avoid, what advice would you give to leaders on how they can avoid falling? Because there's been so many stories of recent, of pastors and elders and leaders who have fallen into sin, mm -hmm. fallen from grace. What wisdom do you give on how to keep from falling? Jimmy Dodd wrote a book, and in his book he gives a, a tremendous illustration that, that, uh, that is so, to, to me, is so graphic that uh, uh, you don't forget it. He talks about our lives being like a, an auditorium. And uh, an auditorium generally has a curtain that goes across the platform. And behind the curtain is all the junk, you know, all the broken stuff you didn't know what to do with. Maybe you're going to use it again, but it's back there. And then in front of the curtain are the lights and the seats and the carpeting and the, the music and all the, the preaching and all the, the things that people see. What the people don't see is what's behind the curtain. And that's like our lives. Our lives, we need to be with God and that's being behind the curtain. Back where the broken stuff is, where we are broken and hurting and we need God in our lives and we need to be up to date with God behind the curtain so when we come out in front of the curtain it is really God speaking through us not our pride not our our, our uh, own energy not because we want to see the uh, personally just see the church grow to grow it's it's God at work through us and that's not going to happen and what happens is some of these leaders bless their hearts the, the churches are going great huge congregations and all of a sudden we read, we read that they fell, ethically, morally, whatever. And I would, I would guarantee you, you could sit down and talk with them, they would say, we haven't been behind the curtain. Mm. We've been out where the people can see us, where we shine, where it makes us feel good. Sometimes you don't feel good on your knees with God because he, he digs deep. But that's, uh, that's how you keep from falling. Keep in the word. Keep right with the Lord day by day. I mean, know that that's good, not just for leaders, but that's good yes. for all of us. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> when I read this, I think about one of the great gifts that Pastor Doug gave to me uh, as we were transitioning. He says, out of this group of elders, pick about five or so who can uh, form a special committee whose responsibility it is to care for your soul. And uh, we did that. And since I've been here, it's pastor at the church, um, every month, you should know this, every month there are five elders who meet with me on a monthly basis. And uh, in that particular meeting, we don't talk about the business affairs of the church. All of the questions have to do with, Chris, how is your soul? How's your relationship with the Lord? How's your family doing? How's your health? And we just talked through the behind the curtain stuff. And I can't tell you how many times 
I've had to come to them for prayer in one or all of those areas. And, and, and I can also tell you how many times God answered prayers in those areas, in my health, in my family, with my kids, with my own devotion to the Lord. And I thank God because I have people who are looking in on my life and asking me because it's really easy in the busyness of ministry, family, and life to let that behind the curtain time with the Lord slip um, but Paul is uh, pretty direct here. He says, listen, that if they persist in sin, if you've brought it up, and now, now let me be clear here. He's not talking about every minor sin has to be brought before the people. What he's referring to in particular are, are, are public sins, the things that will bring a public reproach to the church. He says, if this happens and they're unrepentant, then... Um, you, you got to deal with this publicly. You got to stand before the people. And in 25 years of ministry, there's been times when my wife and I have had to stand alongside of leaders as they have had to walk through this. And I know there's been times even where you as a church have had to become aware that this leader is um, being removed from a position or set down for a season because they're saying and that's never easy. That's never easy. And we never want to have to do that. But yet, Paul says there's a benefit to doing that. And that benefit to doing that is the fear of the Lord that comes upon every soul. How many read this and say, I don't want that to ever happen to me? How many can say amen to that, right? And, um, and I know that that's, that's the case. But there's a right and a wrong way of doing that. The right way to do it, if, if we ever have those moments, and I pray that they wouldn't happen, but if we ever do have those moments, the right way to do it is with a heart of reconciliation. It's a heart that says, my hope for the outcome of this moment mm -hmm. is not just to shame someone or discard someone, but it's that they might be reconciled to the Lord. The reconciliation might happen among the people so that they uh, can have a future. Paul also says here, hey, don't deal with an accusation if it's not coming or confirmed by two or three people. Now, this isn't like special treatment. If you know the Old Testament, this was the rule for any accusation for anyone. He's just reiterating it for pastors and leaders that no accusation was supposed to be taken seriously unless corroborated by two or three people. It's as if Paul is saying, there's always going to be one somebody who doesn't like you, right? There's always going to be somebody who says, I don't like that guy. He just doesn't rub me the right way. And and if that's how you feel, God bless you. But, but Pastor Dave, have you ever experienced that before? Yeah, yeah in our first church, my wife and I uh, uh, just gave ourselves to the people and to the, to the church and to the ministry and thought we were doing a great job until a couple of people said, we don't really like you. <laughs> and uh, I thought, how, how can they not like us? We're so lovable. You know? <laughs> but there will always be people uh, who uh, yeah. who don't appreciate your the way you minister or yeah. something about you. And, and those are the people you're talking about here. You don't you don't uh, deal with them this way. Yeah, and and the, and the truth of the matter is, and I want to be careful how I say this, because we as leaders have to always be receptive to constructive criticism. If we err in the way something we say or how we treat people, we we're we're not above reproach at all. But I would also say that life is too short for you to be at a church 
uh, where you can't receive from the leadership. Mm. Life is too short for you to be at a church where you just um, find yourself uh, on a different page than the pastor or the leader. You gotta be in a place where you can be shepherded. You gotta be in a place where your soul can be fed because when you stand before God and we all will stand before the Lord, it's not enough to say, I didn't do what I was called to do because I didn't like the guy. You, you got to be in a place where you can grow so that you can do what God has called you to do. Well, he goes on from there to talk about ordination and who should be qualified. And in chapter three, we looked at a lot of qualifications, but he has a few more words to say. But first he starts with this really sobering statement. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you. I mean, when, when, when Paul speaks with these types of terms, he is being as serious as a person can be in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ and of the elect angels. I charge you. This is saying to, to his son in the, in, in the faith, pay attention and with all seriousness, listen to what I'm about to say. And here's what he goes on to say. Keep these rules without prejudice or without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality or favoritism. And then he says, in light of all of this, don't be hasty in laying hands on, uh, in laying on of hands, nor partake or, or take part rather in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. We shouldn't be hasty. Sometimes we are because the demand and the need for people to lead is so great. There are times when you say, oh, that person looks to part. And then a few months later, you're saying, that's the dumbest thing I've ever done, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but if there are people among us, Pastor Dave, who want to be in leadership, we don't want to be, want to be hasty, but what advice would you give them on the preparation of the heart so that they can serve as, as leaders in the church? Right. I think there's two aspects to this. One is the spiritual aspect. The other is just the practical. The practical one is you just begin to do the next obvious thing at hand for the glory of God. What is the next obvious thing? <laughs> uh, in a church like this, there's always areas where they need help. They need uh, uh, instructors. They need teachers. Um, there's areas where they need help. And it may not be the area that you hope that someday you'll be involved in, but you got to get started. And you, sure. you can't just sit there and wait for some cloud to come over and shout down at you, hey, this is it. <laughs> uh, it isn't going to happen. So start where you are. Pick up some, maybe it's just going around picking up paper off the floor. That's an obvious thing that needs to be done. You can do that. You can uh, maybe teach a class. Be, we're helping the youth department or in the children's department. But there's somewhere where you will fit and you need to begin there, not wait for some big thing to happen, the lightning uh, to tell you what to do. The second area and the important area is the area of your life, your, your heart, your soul with God. Stay in the word. Get in the word. Get in a group, a study group. Uh, be faithful in church. Uh, just keep digging, 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 learning more and more yes. about God and about his word and, and how he operates. And he's, and he's always doing something, and you want to be part of what he's doing. But you'll ne never know unless you get started right where you are and get into the word of God and, uh, and follow, his, follow his steps. Uh, he says a good, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He just sends down the order. 
That's, and then we, get, we do the stepping. How many thank God for Pastor Dave Anderson? Amen. We're going to worship. We're going to close in worship in just a moment. But after 63 years of serving the Lord, I guess my last question for you is, as you look back on the journey where you are now, has it been worth it? And if so, why? Yes. And I know know I'm supposed to say it was worth it. But I say it from my heart. It was worth it. And one of the reasons it was worth it is that over those years, I invested my life in the lives of other people. That's eternity. That's eternity. I have to mow my lawn or my neighbor gets upset. That's not eternity, but I got to do it. Eternity work is working. And that's what we do with Barnabas. That's why we get a small group together uh, and not big, large groups but small groups where we can share our heart and they can share their heart and we can work behind the curtain. We get, them, we get them going behind the curtain. They'll be all right out in front. They'll have questions, but they'll do, they'll do, uh, they'll do good. And by the way, before we close, uh, I must do this. Uh, Pastor Doug couldn't be here today. He's preaching in another church <coughs> elsewhere. But he did said, make sure you tell him thank you. And uh, we do want to do that. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for the way uh, that you pray for us and encourage us. And you, because of you, we are able to do what God's placed in our heart to do, working with other pastors. We wouldn't be able to do that without you. Well, I want to close in prayer. Everyone stand with me if you could. Thanks to Pastor Dave. Uh, Thank you for a life well lived. You've meant so much to so many. And thank you for being a church that has poured into your leaders. But let's be faithful. For the days to come are only going to get harder, but I pray that God will be pleased. Let's pray. Lord, for those who may not yet have come to faith, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. They would connect with someone in this church and find out what it means to serve and love Jesus. And Lord, I also pray that we would go out from this place and be sought in light. Let us not keep it hidden, but let's go out and touch the world for Jesus. Bless as only you can. Pastors all around this region, Lord, and even beyond who are serving you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.